Hello out there, world. Welcome to episode 24 of the Modern Educator Podcast. This is your host, Corey Brown, and today I am joined with Jesse Salas. Hello, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, also known as Coach Salas, <laughs> but I'll, I'll typically refer to you as Salas. So. Sounds good. All right, cool. So, Salas, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself in the world of being an educator? Well, my name is Jesse Salas. Uh, I went... Uh, I started going to Rancho High School to UNLV and taught for 37 years and it, it was a lot of fun, I enjoyed it. Um, taught at uh, three middle schools and three high schools and uh, tons of memories, wonderful memories. Okay, so so let, let's go one step at a time. Where did it all begin? As what do you mean, like who inspired me to be a teacher? Sure, let's go there. Well, a lot of I was very fortunate that I have a that I had a lot of good teachers, but in, uh, specifically when you know, time to choose an activity, I guess physical education was the best because I had a lot of really good quality uh, phys ed instructors. Um, unfortunately, some have passed on, but I remember Coach Dittmeyer was one, and Coach um, Henson was another. And one that passed away long, long ago in an accident was Mr. Schindler. And these were all middle school and high school teachers. And they inspired me to be a teacher. And, uh, you know, coming from a low socioeconomic background, uh, I really didn't have a lot of quality people to look up to, but I did look up to my teachers. And I said, well, why not? You know, they look like they're doing fine. They're, 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 they don't look like they're poor and they're not starving. So I said, why not? Yeah. All right. Cool. And uh, so, thirty-seven years. And did you do phys ed the entire time? No, I taught uh, math, Spanish, um, and those were fun too. Especially my Spanish class. Um, in the beginning, I taught conversational Spanish, exploratory Spanish. I was in middle school, high school Spanish one through four, and it was it was challenging, especially at Vegas High School. Um, in fact, those kids were teaching me a lot of things because I only had a minor in Spanish. And a lot of the Spanish teachers there whose degree was in Spanish were kind of intimidated by the kids. So they said, why don't you take it? I said, okay, I'll take it. Because me being a native speaker, they said, well, no, you're a natural. So I took it, and I tell you what, it was awesome. And I would have stayed there, but uh, unfortunately, I, I got offered a better position at another high school. And I only stayed there for four years, but it was it was awesome. Which high school? Is Vegas this? High School. Okay, yeah, Vegas. Yeah. yeah. Okay, nice. Trying out, uh, trying out that, and but most of the time you did phys ed. Physical right? education, weight training. Yeah, and during that time you're also the wrestling coach. I I was uh, uh did football and wrestling you know my my whole career. I even did baseball and girls basketball, girls softball. So I, I, I coached a lot, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, but primarily it was football and wrestling. Uh, toward the end of my career, I was fortunate to be a head football and wrestling coach. Um, at Rancho, we did turn a program around. But prior to that, I was at, uh, an assistant at Vegas and uh, Mojave, where you won state a couple of times. Uh, and like I said before, those... Um, memories were awesome. I mean, when you're at the top of the heap, and not just for one year, for two years, and it, it's it's really memorable. 
Well, and and I know from I used to work at Rancho. They have that rivalry game, the Bone Game versus Las Vegas. Oh, and it's more like the uh, the Chihuahua game now because <laughs> it's not very competitive. And but back during and your time, back in the day, it? oh, we used to uh, romp on the kitty cats, and uh, it it was it was competitive then. Well, and, and while you were uh, the coach of football, did you bring a program to win that rivalry game? Unfortunately, no. Ah, but... Would have been nice, though. Uh, in wrestling, we, we were competing, but not in football. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I, I think it's, what, the last 30 years Rancho oh, never man. won the game. What's so sad is I think they're still on the schedule, and they're not oh. even the same division anymore. I think oh, Rancho's no. Division Three and and uh, Vegas Division Four, I think. So, whew. yeah, I, I watched a couple of those games and I, I saw the Rancho team fighting each other more than fighting the Vegas team. Which uh, much is to my chagrin, you're right. Really unfortunate. Maybe you were there at one of those, Probably actually, and, sitting, and sitting I, nearby I, me. I know we always had tried to attend the uh, the Rancho Vegas game because, you know, alumni would go to see that game. And it was sad. It was sad, but. <laughs> uh, it's, it's eventually just. What are you going to uh, do? I mean times change but you know remember that rancho is still rancho where it is vegas used to be downtown and then uh they moved it up to a, a place where it was supposed to be called winchester high school and then that became the new vegas and think about it, it's a whole new neighborhood yep new kids more kids in fact they're still building up there like crazy just like it is on this side of town so you know they're getting fresh Fresh uh, students. Well, and they did update Rancho's uh, whole campus, what, in 2007 or something like that? Yeah, when it became a... Um, magnet school. Magnet school. Yeah. And so. that really helped a lot. But, you know, these are primarily academic kids. Mm. And I was fortunate that, that I was able to get a lot of academic kids to wrestle. And they made a big difference. Mm. Yeah, no, and, and I, when I was at Rancho, I almost exclusively taught those magnet kids. And they were... It, it, it was almost like there was two schools within the school. Yeah, nine day. So, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, and so you did 37 years all here at CCSD? Yes. Wow. And I'm sure you probably had enough sick days to maybe even take the 29-year the buyout, <laughs> but you decided to go all the way to 37. Well, it's because I, I enjoyed what I was doing. Yeah. I loved what I did. When I first started teaching back in 79, 80, I couldn't believe I was getting paid to do what I was doing. And back then, it was, it was a whole different ball game. I mean, uh, you think you were accountants back today, like you do it on the computer, roll call and stuff like that. We had to do it on our grade books. And I recall having two grade books, one working copy, which was always messy, and the one copy you was immaculate, that's the one you turned in. <laughs> but uh, my, 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 the older teachers would teach me how to do this. And I was fortunate that when I taught Spanish, I was surrounded by English teachers, and I was really, um, they were like my, my angels. They took care of me, they taught me how to really be a good teacher, and uh, it was well-structured. And in fact, my very first year, I was audited by whoever does the auditing, and I remember the uh, person told the principal, for first-year teacher, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> so that was kind of a nice compliment. Yeah, well, and, and I think I've been sort of reliving that same thing, too, where, you know, we now have this hyper-digital space, and everything we do has to be online and Canvas and all kinds of 
digital involvement. And there's some older teachers that really aren't comfortable yeah. with that. So, and that's um, unfortunate because I, I I loved it. I love the evolution of education and teaching. In fact, I, I kind of missed out on the pandemic year. I think it would have been great to learn some innovative things, like uh, the zooming and the um, structure that you have on the computer now. And and I think it's going to continue evolving. Now you're going to have in-person teaching as well as teaching uh, online. It's just, uh, you know, I mean, they're already doing it in college. They did it in some high school level areas. So it's just a matter of yeah, time. That's if the future is digital for yeah. sure. All right, Sas. So what would you say is your educational philosophy? How, how would you say that you would, what is being an educator all about? Well, toward the end, I used to tell my, my, my colleagues that uh, the kids were our customers and we're, they're the ones that we need to um, pay attention to because they're our future. And, uh, you know, through the 30 years, it, it changed a lot. I mean, um, I, I worked with awesome, uh, awesome teachers and I worked with some my Chihuahua teachers and I made my own philosophy that, you know what, just keep it to yourself and and enjoy what you're doing for a living. And and through the years, you know, I met positive people like you. And through the years, you know, there, there were far and few in between, but it's just like anything else. Uh, positive meets with positive and negative goes with negative. And, yeah. and oh, positive yeah. negatives, shoot, they collide and stay away. And you know, as, as you become a, uh, a um, what do you call it, a uh, seasoned teacher, you know the differences. I mean, you know why you did this and you're either going to pay attention or you're not going to pay attention to those that belittle our, our profession. So, you know, I'm always proud to have been part of it. Yeah. Well, and, and I just want to add that there's certain schools I've been to, uh, and this is kind of before my CCSD life, where I just, I got the sense of gloom and doom that, like, the majority of the staff was infected with that negative attitude, that negative energy and it just was pervasive yeah. through their entire institution. And, I, I mean, I, I know there are schools like that here at CCSD. And I, I wish there was some way that we could quantify the the negative attitude toward this job that some of our colleagues have. Yeah. And, and we could, I mean, I, I don't know if I want to say fire the people, but I want to say do something to, to reinvigorate their love of teaching. Because I've seen some people who've just given up in this job. Yeah, and they need to be removed. Because it's just giving us a black eye, giving uh, the professional black eye, and not being fair to the kids. I mean, yeah. it's just not right. Uh, as an admi- I mean, I wanted to be an administrator. I know in my views, I would have tried to move them with a, a teacher that is, is positive, and hopefully they get turned on to what got them there to begin the, the first place. But, you know, with the unions being the way they are, I know that's hard to do. Mm. And did you ever get your admin credential? No, you know, I, I regret not going that route because I know in my heart I think I would have made a, a good one. Oh, heck yeah. But, uh, you know, being Hispanic and bilingual, at that, at that point in time in my life, we were needed everywhere. There wasn't very many of us. Well, you're needed as a principal, <laughs> you know. Like, I mean, think about it. I started in, in '79, and I retired in 2015, and I did see the Hispanics move up, but not th- not that much. Yeah. I mean, it's still like those kids that go out to get their masters, it's still like in the, the point some odd percent. 
and getting their bachelors is still like below 20%. So, you know, there's, it's still way behind. Yeah, and, and I'll comment about that. So now I teach at Desert Oasis, which is, you know, mostly a uh, Caucasian school, but I used to be a rancho, which was majority Hispanic. Mm-hmm. And at, at rancho, there were so many kids who would see me before school, after school, stay with me for hours on end, and, you know, sometimes they were just kind of socializing, joking around with me. But I was really there for, and this definitely did happen a lot of the time, hey, Mr. Brown, how do I do college? Hey, Mr. Brown, how do I become successful in my life? Hey, Mr. Brown, my parents work two jobs. They don't really have time for me. Like, I kind of need some adult interaction in my life. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, kid, I'm here for you. And, and I... In a way, I almost sort of feel like I made more of a concrete difference there at Rancho. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, one thing I learned through the years is that a quality teacher that goes to a low, low socioeconomic school, I mean, you're really valued there. I mean, the kids look up to you. you, you they know you're making a difference. And that's why when you leave, oh, it's one of the hardest and toughest things to do. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't stop there. I mean, I'm online with... Or not online, but on Facebook, with a lot of my former kids that are now old enough or mature enough to go to college, and now they're asking me, you know, how do I get started? And, you know, they ask me that question, and I tell them, well, look, see the counselor of that college, go to that college, there's also pamphlets to tell you how to get started, and if that doesn't work, uh, send me a message again, and I'll try to correspond to you the right way, but uh, it doesn't stop. Yeah, no, and I, I, I've definitely had that too, where kids have reached out to me over the years, and and I, I will continue to mentor them as, yeah. as long as they need it. It feels know? real good. Yeah, for sure. Help, help them out. All right, so uh, and let's go off of that. What are some of your greatest successes in the classroom? Oh man, let's go to a math because I only taught math a couple of years. Okay, uh, I remember single, double digit, adding, subtracting. And I remember a couple of kids that, for whatever reason, they couldn't get to the third. You know what I mean by singles, tens, one hundreds, thousands. Well, they had a hard time adding and subtracting into the thousands and tens thousands. And I remember one time when we hit that breakthrough, and it was like almost half the year is over. That was really significant for me. Because, you know, I only had a, a minor in math but it was great seeing those kids finally, you know, like a light bulb light up. Um, another one was uh, when I first started teaching, you know, I, I used to work with the kids that were heavy set, and, and I would tell them, look, you didn't get like that overnight. And it's not gonna take overnight to get where you wanna get. I mean, the, the, what you gotta do is go home, look in the mirror, and see what you wanna be looking like. And you know, you gotta start with you. And then, you know, we during PE, we would start a regimen on how to continue act, being active so they could lose weight, look well. Because in middle school, you know, it's all about how you appear. Mm. And it's very important to them. And those kids back then, when I taught middle school, they were at a crossroads. If you did a good job, they would come to you. If you did a lousy job, you'd lose them. And then you'd lose them in high school too. So, you know, if, if you made a difference, especially in the middle school, You'd save and salvage a lot of kids. But if you didn't, oh, man, 
you know, woe upon the kids. Well, and I'll go off about that. I, I read something about CCSD that our elementary schools generally score the national average and, I don't know, are doing generally fine. Our high schools are below the national average, but our middle schools are far below the national average. And obviously, if we lose kids in middle school, they're not going to transfer up into high right. school. So middle school is our weakest link in this district. I don't know if it's the way it is now, but back in the day when I was teaching, it was like this. There would be a top-notch elementary school, and it was awesome. And then when they get to middle school, you know, they had three high school, middle schools to choose from. One was okay, one was horrible, and one was top-notch. And those kids, you know, it was the luck of the draw, which one they were going to go to. Then in high school, the same thing. More diversity as far as who was top-notch and who was, oh, my God. And I, and I think it's basically the same way now, maybe even worse. Because, you know, just like you were, you just mentioned some stats, there's a lot of uh, schools that are, you know, below par. And what's that's that teaching about? What's that saying about profession? Where are we going? We're going backwards. Yeah. Well, and I mean, well, we'll probably hit on this more later too, but currently in the year 2021 where we are right now, there's so many open teaching positions and we're already three weeks into the school year. So it's, it, it's, it's challenging when we're, we're sailing the ship and we don't have a full crew. Oh, I know. You know? Great analogy. I mean, as an old sailor, I guess, <laughs> I, I, the parts of me want to go back try to salvage but at the same time the la I've been retired the last uh, six years and I really love my free time yeah. so it's it's a turmoil there and they want to have um, colleagues like you that kind of encourage me to go back go back I know I have some years left but I don't know I don't know yeah I mean and I know there's a lot of other teachers like that that are thinking about it but you know they're torn about that free time too because once you get that Wow. Well, and I think I heard that CCSD sent all the retired teachers emails about, you know, we're desperate, please come back. Did you get anything like that? Yes, I did. Oh, what, what, what was the extent of that email? Uh, we think that you, you have, that you would be a good fit at this place and this and that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pay you double. Come back now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I really feel for the young educators coming in now because, uh, oh, so many trials and tribulations that they have to go through. I mean, that, that's nowhere near that what I went through. Yeah. I, mean, I was fortunate that I started at a real top-notch school. It was Kenny Gwynn. In two years, we became one of the best schools in the nation. Got that flag and whatever. I don't know if they still do it now, but it was, it was good recognition for our school and for our state. But, uh, I mean, other than that, I, I remember going to two low academic schools Right after that, Jim Bridger. Then I went to uh, Cashman, was a, a middle-of-the-road school. I mean, you, you had your well-off to do as well as your, you know, low socioeconomic. Then um, I started noticing the changes of, uh, were not so much the teachers, but the administration was starting to go sour. Mm. I mean, they, they were very power-hungry. They uh, cared more about their resumes not the, so much the teachers or the kids it was like 
Well, yeah, if, can, if the kids aren't your first thought, I think yeah. you're doing something wrong in this profession. Yeah, and that's how I felt. Man. And I would have stayed in middle school all my life, but then it was time for me to go. And so I ended up volunteering, and that's how I ended up going to Vegas, teaching Spanish, of all things. And I always tell everybody, I felt back then that they let the genie out of the bottle because I was able to teach and coach at the same school I was at. And I was fortunate to be part of a, some state championship programs there, a really awesome Spanish program. And I probably would have stayed there, but at Mojave I was offered uh, the weight room. And as a physical educator, I mean, that was always a dream job of mine. So that's where I ended up going. And another thing, I, I, I thought I would retire there. But unfortunately, four years later, I developed heart problems and uh, they took me out of it. And I felt like I was being punished because they gave me uh, sophomore studies, regular mm -hmm. PE, and I can't remember what else. But like I said, I thought I was being punished. So I only stayed there one more year after that. I knew Sunset High School was opening up. And I thought about going there. That's really close to your house, right? Yeah, it's only a mile away. But then Miss Barkley, who was an administrator at Rancho, offered me a PE position. I said, well, why not? So where I started, I could end up there, help, you know, turn a program around because I know the wrestling program was garbage. You you turned into some I, state championship. I, I used stuff. to uh, uh, razz the kids that you guys are, are not lambs, you're not even green onions. You make me cry, just go away. We'll come back and we'll practice start all over again. <laughs> but knock on wood, I was fortunate to have some really quality assistant coaches and. We did turn that program in two years. I mean, our first year we we got we got it handed to us, but then after that we we were we could were competitive. I mean, we we're never state quality, but we were competing, and we were winning dual meets that some meant we had no business winning, but we came around. Nice, yeah, and like you know, I I went to Rancho to be the assistant coach of the speech and debate team, and and I I won't say anything bad about. The head coach, I think he did a great job, but he was largely focused on the administrative stuff. And I got to, as an assistant coach, to sort of pick and choose kids who, well, it wasn't even me picking. It was the kids saying, I want to be pushed to the next level. Mr. Brown, will you help me? Mm. And, you know, the head coach was so focused on the administrative stuff. I did a lot of one-on-one -on -one training and coaching and practicing with these kids. And my third year at Rancho, I got a state champion went all the way to the national tournament in awesome. Birmingham, Alabama. So, and uh, I only found out after the fact that this student was homeless. Holy moly. You know, so, and, and I, I remember I even asked him after he graduated, I was like, all that passion in your speaking, did that have to do with your family's economic state? And he said, honestly, Mr. Brown, yes. Like, you helped me mold this really terrible situation I was in and, you know, present it in this way that connected with people yeah and i was like wow like you know if i if i knew he was homeless at the time i would have gotten some services and helped him yeah. helped connect him to to get out of that situation but i never knew yeah you know you never know who, who you touch i mean i remember one time i used to go early to work and this was i was at mojave and i always saw this young student always waiting early and i go you don't have to be at school so early and and then you know i put two plus two together, I realized that this kid is homeless. Mm. And uh, I, I sent him to a 
the administration talked to what his situation was and, and knock on wood, they were able to help him out. But uh, you never know who you, you're going to yeah. touch and who you're going to want to run to because uh, it takes all kinds, all kinds. And as an educator, you really have to be open-minded. And I know, you know, another thing about me as a human being, I knew it was time to go because I wasn't open as I used to be when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't want to do a disservice to the kids. You know, I, I, if I couldn't do a good job getting them going, it was time for me to let it go. Well, and, and I know some teachers, they hang on too long. I mean, it, it happens in every profession. They hang on too long. Well, in 37 years, I don't think anyone is saying that you <laughs> just needed to put in more time. Well, um, you know, uh, uh, and you know who were my assistant coaches. I, and it had to be fair to them. And uh, I know they were biting at the pit to take over and run things too. So, uh, in all fairness to them, I'm, I'm glad I, when I did leave, I didn't leave them with the uh, refrigerator empty. I left it kind of full. They had a good team yeah. to work with. And that made me feel good too. So I didn't leave uh, a skeleton team, if you will. And you helped out over the years too, which is well, I could, yeah, I could. So, so. but no, you, you, and and hey, man, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I've I've been envious of your retirement lifestyle. <laughs> you, uh, you're you're the model of where I hope to be in 25 years. Well, you know, I I pray that you and my other young colleagues that are still out there, that uh, they get there, that they get there, and then also, you know. I've also told you during your summers, you know what, Pfft, travel then too. I mean, yeah. I did. I well, it's been a pandemic, man. So it's kind oh, of oh yeah, that, that affected everybody. Ruined my yeah. my plans. That was a big giant hiccup for everybody. Yeah. So, uh, but now that it's over, I mean, well, it really isn't that over, but uh, things are getting uh, more under control. More or less, yeah. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Let's get back to some of these questions. So. Do you recall any learning moments or failures that you had in the classroom over your career? <sighs> was there any moment where you really kind of screwed up? And there were moments. There okay. were moments, and I felt so bad. And you can't get those moments back. Yeah. I mean, once once you do it, you know, you try to get the student back, but a lot of times the damage is already done. And I'm not saying you lose them for the whole year. But you try to do damage control, and um, that's all you can do. But you try not to do it or repeat it. And remember that, you know what? You lost this one person. Don't do it again. I mean, if an educator can learn through that, I mean, you're not always going to be perfect. And there's going to be times when, oh, man, I regret doing this and or doing that. But uh, you also get better the more you do it. I think I told you this when I first met you. The more you, you, you teach, the more you present, the more you plan, the better you're going to get. I mean, when I started, I was an oh my God, what the heck. And a lot of these things, I wasn't taught in, in college in the classroom. I had to learn these, a lot of these things on the run. And once I did, oh, and that's what I mean. My English teachers, they taught me well. Well, and, you know, my first year at Rancho, when you first met me, I was, I put in so much time and effort into my preparation. And I'm not saying that I don't recommend that, but I had to 
make sure that I knew the history of the world really well and I had to create um, lessons and PowerPoints and tests and and I wanted to, to kind of do it all but over the years I have now gotten this rhythm of sort of the, the way that I know that I can best connect with kids in the classroom and it's not that I want to say I don't do any preparation but now uh, you know I'm department chair and this has happened where someone's like oh my gosh you know, the uh, U.S. history teacher down the hall isn't in and we have no lesson plan. Uh, what should we tell the sub to do? Snap my fingers. I can come up with something in less than a minute, you know, and and is it a wonderful lesson? No, but it's something. And I don't think I could have done that at all in my first year of teaching. It's just I now have the experience to know what what's most likely going to work with the kids. Yeah. So well, you've become a quality professional. Yeah. I mean, before he had round shoulders, I don't know what to do. Now, oh yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> this and, is what you do. <laughs> and and also, like, I really think the first, I'm going to say three years you're a teacher, there's a whole lot of, I don't, I didn't know what was the best practices quite yet, and it took me a while to maybe rethink some things and rebalance my curriculum and my lessons, and I, I'm pretty confident that I can say now I'm I'm an expert at this job. Uh, I mean, you know, I teach two AP classes nice. at the largest high school in the state of Nevada. Like, I've, I've figured it out. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's... And, and, and weirdly enough, I remember when I started teaching, I had this thought that I had to prove myself. But... In retrospect, I I don't think anyone was really watching me other than myself, you know? <laughs> yeah, every now and then, though, you know, that administrator uh, sneaks in and checks you out. Um, when, you, when you were talking, I, I reflect back when I first started. I mean, I, I taught Spanish, and it was still the blackboard days and chalk. Mm. <laughs> so it, it's it's come a long way. You know, I have taught off of a blackboard in shock before. I remember that was that was a weird experience. I think it only happened once. I substituted this class in San Diego, and I was like, a blackboard? Like, whoa. <laughs> I thought we were past these. <laughs> but it was, it was kind of cool to, yeah. to actually have chalk and, you know, oh, man, back, back in the day. Yeah, it was fun to do. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have any unique classroom strategies? Well, when I taught uh, Spanish, uh, well, just I, I guess anything, basic fundamentals. I always start with the basic fundamentals. Every uh, discipline, no matter what you teach, whether it's history, math, science, physical education, English, whatever, you start with the basic fundamentals. And then you go from there. I remember teaching Spanish. The first thing I taught him was the alphabet. And then we went from there. And I remember some teachers that hadn't, would come in my classroom just to see that, yeah, I put the alphabet up just like they do the English teachers. I mean, that's how you should be teaching a foreign language. Learn the alphabet first, and then we'll go from there. And uh, with the same thing with anything, learn the base fundamentals. Yeah, cool. All right, and uh, what advice would you give a new educator entering this profession? Never lose your enthusiasm. Yes. And uh, don't listen to negative p 
people. Mm. Be around positive people. And uh, if you don't know who they are, find them. They're out there. And make a list of their numbers and hang with them and ask them the questions. Uh, I mean, because if you don't, you know, you will be lost. And then you're going to lose your enthusiasm for the profession. And, and unfortunately, as you can see, some of them just say, you know what, it's not for me. And some of it, I've even heard that. Some even walk off the job. What, oh. I mean, how can you do that? Man, I, yeah, I think, uh, I think I already told you that a teacher quit on the second day of school this year. I, I mean, I, you know... Something my, my, my mom and dad taught me long ago, no matter what it is, take pride in what you do and do it with the pride. I mean, and if you don't enjoy it, I mean, at least wait till the end of the day to say, you know, this isn't for me. But you don't just walk and leave halfway. Wow, I mean, that's, that's this hard. teacher did at least teach the two full days, but that the first day of school is largely, you get to know your kids and you know, say hi and all this stuff. and. So yeah, I think this this person just didn't really know what they were getting into, but they clearly got you know a credential and did all the education and all this, and it just shocks me that somebody could give up this job on the second day like that. Jeez, like that's uh, waste that's of time much. and effort. Uh, exactly, like give it a week maybe. You know, like even today, I hosted a club after school in my classroom, and one of my student or one student in there was like, "I'll maybe I'll just stay for half an hour." And the club is only an hour and forty five minutes long. And I was like, "Please just stay the whole time, just one time." And if you don't like it after that, you know, I'll stop asking you to join the club. And the student did stay the whole time. Uh, I can't say that I for sure changed the student's mind, but that kid at least gave me a. You know, a triple commitment and it's so sad that a teacher who we hired at my school couldn't even commit from for a week Jeez. and you know we've just had random subs every day since and it's really screwed up the schedule and everything else see you know what? We, we can't we can't enter the spiral we can't enter the negative spiral gotta stay positive yep all right uh what's the best lesson you've ever done oh man that's a good question well, if it was in Spanish, you know, it it, it, it probably dealt with the history of the language. Mm. I, I taught the kids that, you know what, not just English has words that come from different languages, like the French, the German, so does Spanish. And and I showed them how, that, uh, look at these words that end in uh, this spelling and that. Those aren't Spanish words, they're Indian words mm. that came from this tribe in Mexico or look at this word uh, or this color it's, it's not a Spanish Arabic. word it came from the Arabs yes. and uh, you know a lot of kids and, and it's part of um, captivating the kids you know I mean toward the end of my career I knew you had to also be kind of like an entertainer up there to captivate your audience and make them interesting not boring as heck because I did have teachers that were are you kidding me? But I remember that was in Spanish. That was a good one. And physical education. Oh, there was a lot of them. I mean, when you when we did the activities in the beginning, and we showed them. Well, this is what you did in the beginning. Here's your card, your fitness cards. Look at your results. And now look at your results now. And how did you get there? 
remember we did this and we did that. Now you're here. Now come summertime, I hope you don't just disappear and not do anything. Um, those were, were great moments of uh, my career that, you know what, you saw progress mm. and you saw um, learning actually happening and occurring. And I, I, and I told you about the one in math, so that was good. Mm. Yeah, getting, getting kids motivated. Um, let's see, are there any uh, educational concepts that you uh, agree with or disagree with? Is there like, I don't know, styles of learning you're more an advocate for or anything like that? You know, the way uh, education is evolving, you got to have a variety. Mm. And, you, and you have to be an advocate of all of them. Because, you know, they're, they're, at the end of the day, you're all educators. But you need to be a quality educator. You just don't go through the motions. <clears throat> and uh, as an individual teacher, write these things down. What, what, what you like about it, what you don't like about it, and maybe what you can change. But, um, you know, don't just throw your arms up in the air and go, forget this. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, I'm always a fan of telling people to use their creativity in the classroom. Yep. You know, if there's something you are personally passionate about, find a way to throw that into your lessons you know like I'm I'm a real big fan of video games and board games and I will gamify the heck out of certain parts of history yeah. and you know like right now in my classroom and my world history classes my students are manning their own little civilizations and you know I had a little assignment where they created their own uh, kind of civilization history and they created an art style and they created a religion and they're kind of like trading or battling with other civilizations in the classroom. And uh, this year, more than any other year, kids are really getting into it. And I think it largely has to do with the fact that, you know, these this is the year after our virtual year in the pandemic. So these are kids that haven't been in the classroom in 18 months. And now they have this opportunity to kind of compete yeah. against other teenagers. And they're all about it. So Funny you should mention about games. I remember... Spanish class, and I forgot that I even did this, that uh, for review, I divide the class in half, and like say if we were called um, uh, the Wildcats, I'd have the Red Cats and the Black Cats, school colors, and uh, the review would be this, if you answered five questions, because every 10 yards you advanced, you would score a touchdown, I'd ask them questions in Spanish, how do you say this, or what does this mean, or something of nature in Spanish. And that's how we do a review. And uh, if they score a touchdown, then they get extra points. One, easy question. Two, a harder question. Uh, toward the end of the game, whoever won or lost, the, the winners would get bonus points. You know, make it fun, make it interesting. I remember doing that in Spanish class. And uh, my kids loved it. I mean, I don't know if they, anyone else does that, but. I know I did, and I'd draw off the board and colored chalk and all that sort of thing. But Vance down the yard lines. <laughs> no, I, I, I use just so many of these online gaming tools. Like today, uh, I use this website called Buzz In Live, and my students logged in on their smartphones. And it's basically just like a buzzer on a game show. And, uh, you know, I asked questions to the class, and, you know, 20 kids buzzed in it's like oh which one buzzed in first oh it was jeremy you know and so uh it's 
They, they were really excited to play. It's that. going back to what we said earlier: making it education, learning, fun, mm -hmm. captivate your audience. Don't bore them. <laughs> yeah. And and I I don't think I've ever really in my entire career as a teacher had kids read out of a textbook. I think uh, I'm, well in my AP class, it's something they kind of have to do is homework. But I recall there were times when I was in high school where the teacher would say, okay, kids, open up the textbook, and for 30 minutes, you're going to read and do the questions in the textbook. And I think that's a resource that's kind of like, I don't know, stage one of, of what teaching should be. Mm. But that, that should be like the lowest common denominator of teaching. Yeah. The, the textbook is something that maybe the teacher is aware of, but builds from. So. Yeah good resource but it's not the only source yeah because there, there were teachers in my life where it was like 90% of the source oh. so. I don't know if you're familiar with a movie called Teachers but it reminds me of a character that did that and uh, but he would use the dittos I don't know if you remember those days where he'd make piles of lessons hand them out every day kids would take them finish them end of the day pass them turn them in and the teacher would never do nothing just yeah. hand out I, I remember in my student teaching back in San Diego there was it, it wasn't the main teacher I was connected with but it was a teacher like I, I had to watch just about all the social studies teachers each one one day while I was there and one teacher did that exact thing where she had all these pre-made packets and they were all over her room so she had them all done for the whole year and she just found you know the, the packet that they were on next for the day passing out to every kid and she literally put her feet on her desk, opened the newspaper, and read the newspaper oh, for the next man. 50 minutes. And she had, like, I think it was, I don't know, some, like, music playing or water running on a fountain. And, and she was such a nasty human. Like, I, I recall, she, like, one student, like, asked her a question, and she, you know, said, I only do questions in the last five minutes, and just continued to read the paper. And, like, it, it, was, it was a very, it, it, she was like the mean librarian. And, and had no desire to, to learn from the kids. Wow. And, and I, I recall having some conversations with this woman, and she just, I think she even asked me the question, why would a smart guy like you ever want to be a teacher? Like, you, you should do something better with your life. You know? I'm like, I don't know, I feel, feel, feel like I can do a lot as a teacher. And, and yeah, she's definitely an example of one of those negative people mm. who you advise to never go out of your way to interact with that's sad that's too bad and I hope that the uh, quality teacher and the enthusiastic teacher uh, never comes near people like that I, I wish there was a way to quantify a teacher's enthusiasm I feel like it should be possible probably um, forming a, a quality club uh, some kind yeah but but then again this is what i will say Salas, and it, it's it's rare but i have seen this where there is a teacher who outwardly loves the job has enthusiasm smiles all day is just like i love being here i love the kids i believe in the kids but then when they're in front of the kids the lessons just fall apart these people just don't have the natural ability to convey information you know they they're nice human beings but they 
can't get the kids to learn difficult concepts. But are these rookie teachers? Are they veteran teachers? I've I've seen, and it's rare, but I've seen some people who are rookies and some people who are veterans. And with those mm. people, like, I I wish I could give them some advice, but. Well, you know what? As an administrator, and I, and I always had ideas. You know, I always thought that some educators or all educators, you know, during some lessons, they should be videotaped. Mm. And there's your feedback. What's good here? What's bad here? What, what would you make a change or what would you not make a change? Because you know what? It's like they say in sports, the one-eyed monster doesn't lie. Yeah. So, you know, that, that would be a suggestion, if you will, for new teachers coming in. Uh, videotape yourselves. Take yourself out. Do you like what you see? Change it or don't change it. It's up to you. Yeah. But just a suggestion. I, I almost wish we could directly interview students, but students can be swayed so much. And, uh, you know, every year at Rancho, I wasn't even required to do this, but I gave my students these surveys at the end of the year. Like, <coughs> what do you think about Mr. Brown's class? What can Mr. Brown do better? And, what, I had maybe 200 kids at Rancho every year, and I would say 190 of those surveys were... Mr. Brown's an amazing teacher, one of the best ever, so funny, so great, loved every minute of it, da 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 I'm like, wow, wonderful. But then about 10 of those surveys, kids would put like, Mr. Brown is a 1 out of 10 teacher. Mr. Brown was terrible. Mr. Brown had homework. I hated it. I hated everything he ever did in his class, da 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 And the surveys were anonymous. And a part of me is thinking like, maybe those students were just kind of trolling me and just, just I don't know, like caught him on a bad day. But not like the the weird thing is, you know, I read two hundred of those papers, and what sticks with me are those ten kids that had a bad time. So, well, it just just shows that you're a sensitive person, <laughs> and uh, you shouldn't take it so dang serious. I mean, mm. uh, you know that I like that phrase about the needs of the many far away the needs of the few, mm, yeah. and it goes the other way too. The needs of the few far away the needs of the many. Uh, there's some uh, there's some order to that. And uh, that's what you guys got to do. I mean, I've known you now for a few years, and you're you're one of those people that I'm, I'm glad I know and I've got to know. And after all these years, we've remained to be friends. And you're still teaching. I'm out of teaching, and you know, yeah, I wish we would have still been together. But you know what? You're doing well. You're doing fine. Yeah. Well, and, and let's let's now let me get your ideas about this this new digital pandemic teaching world. So, last year was the all digital teaching, and your granddaughter entered kindergarten during the pandemic. And I mean, I I would just assume that kindergarten is kind of this pretty pivotal year of education where kids kind of learn how to be in a classroom and learn how to interact with other kids in a classroom learn they're kind of like learning how to learn and i mean do you feel like did your granddaughter get that that experience in an online environment well she was introduced to something called zoom and uh we've all been introduced we uh i observed it from a distance and i thought it was amazing that the, the teacher would carry on her lessons as well as she did. Um, my, my granddaughter loved it. I mean, she you know there were times she was 
a little flaky, but she was a little kid. Uh, I also liked how the uh, teacher motivated her, all her students that, you know, sometimes they had wacky hair day and everybody had wacky hair <laughs> or uh, a, a specific color scheme day and everybody had that, that color, but uh, it worked. And then toward the end, people starting to get together and people were going back. I mean, my granddaughter would always ask all the students as well as the teacher, is it safe? Is it safe? But uh, her communicative skills for a little kid, I thought were really uh, well organized with that Zoom. I mean, it helped. And then she also noticed who the good kids were and who the bad kids were. So, you know, that was obvious through Zoom also. Hmm. I remember my high school colleagues telling me how in, in middle school as well in high school, you know, kids would show up or not show up, turn in their stuff or not turn in their stuff. So some things didn't change, some things did change. But uh, it's it's amazing that uh, uh, education is evolving that way. It had to evolve. And it just opened the eyes of many educators as well as administrators. It's another form of uh, teaching kids. Well, and something that I was really concerned about in the pandemic that I want your thoughts on is do you envision a world where, especially at the high school level, if kids only learn from videos and only learn in this kind of robotic canvas, get work, process it, turn it in, robot auto grades it, like, could you envision a world where a high school teacher is no longer needed? To some extent, yes. You oh, know, that's and, scary. And that's, that's a scary and that's prediction. All, well, that's only for a, a student who is, is, is self-contained, you know, mm -hmm. an awesome, knowledgeable individual, you know, off the chart. But for the majority of students, no, I think you're going to need a teacher to continue with those same lessons and just use that as a tool, not mm. just a, me a means to end it all. But for a super motivated student, I think that's their future. But for everyone else, no. You're gonna, you're gonna need educators to yeah. have a classroom atmosphere, if you will. You need that social relationship. Oh yeah, I mean, you, it's already yeah. proven in the in lower levels. I mean, you need to interact, you need to develop social skills. And uh, you and I know when I get to high school, everybody's starting to differentiate and go into their own fields of endeavor. So some students will need those social skills. Um, you know, so it might help them. But for the normal kids or quote unquote normal kids, you're going to need teachers. You're going to need what's, what we're doing today. But using Zoom or whatever... Um, these fancy tools and gadgets as a tool, you know? Yeah, because I, I, yeah, I think I agree with that, that no tool would ever replace the... Human contact. The human contact, the mentor stuff that we talked yeah, about earlier. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't replace that. Yeah. Um, and also, like, I could share the grades that I gave students last year online. Like, it was definitely double or triple the amount of failing students that I would have in a typical mm. year. And and I know with certainty, if I had those students in a physical classroom with me, I would be able to give them that extra attention, that extra support, give that extra encouragement. But digitally, kids can just log out whenever. Yeah. Um, 
damn, that was always really frustrating. So I know that you said you were, uh, you, you felt like you missed out on the online school year, but I'll tell you, man, it wasn't. But you know, <laughs> wasn't all it's chucked up to like me. Like for example, I would have suggested, like those kids that logged out, the next day when they they logged in, I would have a message saying, "I wish you wouldn't log out early. Yeah. You missed out on this and missed out on that." And if you continue that way, you know what? You're not going to be where you should be. I mean, little things like that, you know, messaging. Um, I'm sure there is a way, but, you know, I mean, I, I only have ideas of what I think I would have done. Well, and, and I'll tell you, so when the online school year started last year, I had pretty close to 100% participation. And uh, there's one student I have in mind. I'll share this story. I won't use the student's actual name. We'll call her uh, Jane. Uh, Jane attended my classes. She had her camera on. She was talking, really interactive, involved. And uh, I even had these kind of quick online video games I would sort of play with kids to socialize after school in this online digital space. And uh, this girl, Jane, was a part of that. And I, I thought I was building a pretty good rapport with this kid. And, you know, she was just talking to me a lot. And then, I don't know, around November, just kids stopped showing up to class. And uh, after, what, like the 10th the day in a row where this kid didn't show up, I sent an email to the parent, email to the kid, you know, please come back. Got no response, radio silence, radio silence. And I think the kid was in my class the entire year, just every day I marked this kid absent. And it was really kind of... Like, I, I even sent a message to the counselor. I'm like, is this kid alive? Like, is this kid okay? Um, but weirdly enough, uh, this kid actually saw me the first week of school in person for the first time. Mr. Brown! And, you know, like, oh, I remember that we did all those online games together and stuff. And I was like, you know, Jane, like, what what happened? Like, you, you just kind of fell off the earth on me, she said. Yeah, well, I just didn't think school was that important online anymore. But I'm retaking all those classes, so don't worry about it, Mr. Brown. And I'm like, well, of course I worry about it. Like, and I, it's, I think, I think in the digital space, kids don't feel that rapport building, relationship connection, whatever you want to call it. And I, I did succeed at doing that rapport virtually with some students, and, and clearly your granddaughter had that that connection with her teacher in an online environment. But maybe teenagers, they, I don't know if they, they don't think it's a real connection if it's a virtual connection. Well, I think this, that uh, the young kids were exposed to this early. So this is what they know. The teenagers toward the end, they weren't exposed to this. So some accepted it and some didn't. Mm. And that, that's probably a reason why. I mean, unfortunately, some lost time. I mean, now they're one of the things that I hate as a, as a teacher and as a human being. Now it's redundant. Now you got to go back and do this all over again if you failed. If you didn't fail, good. That's a good thing. You moved on. But that's just being a human being. You're going to reach some of them, some you're yeah. not. Yeah, and that's true in the in-person class as well. And, and I want your thoughts on this. So you spent so much of your career as a coach, and I'm sure a big deal with coaching football and wrestling was kind of getting your kids scouted by universities and kids maybe being awarded scholarships. Um, did kids lose out on those opportunities in the last two years? Are you talking about the pandemic? Yeah. Yes, of course. Of wow. course they did. 
and it's really sad, but you can't have those years back. Dang. I mean, for example, we were we were set, some coaches, friends of, of mine, to see the NCAA championship in Minnesota. But when the pandemic hit, it was canceled. And guess what? Those seniors, they lost out on a year. So there were no champions that year. So no scholarships. No, well, they, they, they honored their scholarship, those that were there. But they weren't giving another year to compete. Once that year was up, it's done. So, so. do you think that, the, uh, maybe this is true, the pandemic hurt student athletics more than anything else? Probably. Wow. Probably. I mean, think about it, they didn't play. Yeah. They couldn't play. So, uh, and, and, and education, at least, they were offered to continue education. So, you can't have a virtual wrestling match no. or a virtual football game. Well, you know, <laughs> only if you played it like chess <laughs> or checkers. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. That's weird. All right, well, are there any other uh, thoughts or ideas you want to share with the podcast? No, I just wish that, uh, and pray to God, that the, the new educators that are coming in, you know, they, they look at it the way I did. They enjoy it. They love it. I mean, uh, back in the day, there, there was a phrase that we didn't do it for the money because we knew we were going to get paid. But now, it's you know, it's not too bad now. Uh, but uh, they have different challenges. But I, I hope they hang in there and they, they eventually love what they do and continue loving what they're doing and i wish them all the best all right cool thanks jesse for coming on board today uh if any listener has any questions or wants to be a future guest on the podcast please send me an email at vegasmoderneducator at gmail.com thank you very much